Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shapeshift.io, the easiest, fastest, and most secure way to swap your digital assets. Don't run the risk of leaving your funds on a centralized exchange. Visit Shapeshift.io to get started today. And this episode is also sponsored by my patrons on Patreon. We got about 40, you got about 700 bucks a month. And so I like to give different examples each episode for why they support. And here's why Colin says he supports. I've been listening to your podcast a lot in the last couple months, and I really love it. It gives me hope and a clear direction humanity can take for the future. I don't think anyone has quite figured out how to present this story, but if anyone is on the right track on figuring it out and sharing the story, it's you. You are so vitally important to the blockchain community, and this is still only the beginning. I want to do my part in making sure you can focus your energy on all the amazing things you do in this space and not worry about food, rent, whatever. Woohoo! Um, thank you so much, Colin. It's kind of awkward for me to read that, but it also makes me feel good and happy. Um, so thank you again, Colin, and fellow listeners, you can support as well. Um, yeah, let's begin the episode. Hello, everyone. My name is Reese Lindmark, and you're listening to another episode of Creating a Humanist Blockchain Future. And in this podcast, we take a systems-thinking approach to doing good in the world. And usually... Uh, I say, and welcome, blah, 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 to the show. Uh, But today, I will actually be interviewing myself. (laughs) And so, it'll be different. Um, And today, we're going to talk about two main things. Um, uh, Just kind of onboard you into who I am, because I'm joining the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Um, And then also, we'll talk about ETH Denver. Uh, So with that, I hope you enjoy the show and our regularly scheduled programming where I interview normal people, not my alter ego, will come back uh, next week. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so um, let's rock and roll and begin. I'm going to try this strange thing where I will ask myself questions and then I will answer them. And there's a small chance that I also do some pitch shifting um, in post-production. So the question asker might have a lower or higher voice. Uh, so we'll see how that works. Okay, so with that, uh, let's welcome our guest to the show, Reese Prime. Reese Prime, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's great to be here, Reese. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> cool, Reese Prime. Well, let's uh, let's start with kind of a simple question here. Um, tell us a little bit about you know the Bitcoin Podcast Network and and, and why you're joining them. Yeah, so I'm actually pretty excited to be joining the Bitcoin Podcast Network. I think they are quite value aligned, um, and I really like some of their other shows on the network, and I also think that they have great banter. Uh, this is Corey and Cello and Dee. Um, so yeah, I was very happy to, uh, after we chat about a bit, to kind of to join the network and to be part of a bigger ecosystem. Um, and then just a note for me and what I do with the show is, um, as I kind of said before, I interview generally interview blockchain experts. It's kind of a philosophical systems podcast. We talk a lot about culture and values and story and ideology and systems, um, both the kind of macro systems, like where are we as humanity headed, but also kind of human systems, like uh, how do we as humans operate with each other and, and within ourselves, and then also kind of software and financial systems. So 
that's what I usually do. Um, today is clearly odd that I am uh, being interviewed as Reese Prime, but we do have some great folks coming in this next season, uh, and we'll kick off the season with Robin Hansen um, next. Um, and then one other note for me is that I am really kind of passionate about the kind of do-good side of things, and so that means that, um, A, I'm very cognizant of, you know, diversity on my show, and for me that especially means gender diversity, so um, interviewing lots of um, like women um, from the crypto space, and there are a lot of really good ones, so um, I'll be doing that a lot. Uh, and the other thing that you'll see with me is that I am, I'm mostly crowdfunded, so I both have this Patreon, um, which is a peer-to-peer crowdfunding way where people can like support me on Patreon, and I also have this thing called Stake Tree, which is like a, a version of Patreon but for Ethereum, where you can stake Ethereum to me. Um, and with that, I also have these kind of rules around myself where. After about forty-five, after about you know four thousand bucks a month, um, you stop getting happier when you get more money. And so after I get that amount of money, I essentially self-tax myself and give that back to the system. So kind of the diversity front and also the kind of self-taxing front are how I uh, try to do good in the world. In addition to um, the actual content that I'm that I'm talking about. Okay, well, thank you for that intro, um, Reese Prime. And just to check on one other thing before we dive into East Denver. Could you tell us about what is your kind of deep why? Uh, it sounds like you're into doing good for the world, but 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 tell us more about that. And, and you know, and I think about the deep why as essentially if you five whys yourself for why you do things. Okay, you you're on the show. Well, why are you doing the show? Well, why do you do that? Well, why do you do that? Um, getting to that root level deep why. That's that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. So at a high level, you can think of my deep why as this kind of co-evolving this humanity phase shift to game B, um, which has a lot of jargon in it, but really means to transition us as society away from the way we currently exist, away from kind of late stage capitalism and towards this game B, towards this world of omni-consideration, win-win, abundance, etc. And that world, it kind of has two different pieces to it. The first is it kind of escapes us from a negative world that we might be going towards. Um, so we kind of are, we have the necessity or the need to switch away. And then also the nice thing is that we have the ability to do so. So um, it's kind of, you can look at it from like a negative thing or a positive thing or like a necessary and sufficient kind of mindset. Um, and on the, the negative side, I mean, if you look at us as we are today, we are, we have a lot of technology and that technology um, is going faster and faster, especially as we have 4 billion networked people with smartphones. Um, with that increased technology, we have increased power, but we know, need to, as we have that increased power, make sure we have increased responsibility um, with that power. So this means, you know, right now, we don't really do that that much. I mean, we kind of, ex- we ignore externalities right now. And what I mean by that is, you know, if the Industrial Revolution, we pretty much ignored, you know, climate change and kind of the environment. Um, and so that means that now, oh, God, we have all these issues around climate change, primarily because we ignored those externalities. Um, and so we're going to need to really take into account all these externalities as we have biotech and VR and AR and AI and blockchain and all these things coming up. We need to make sure we're kind of taking the externalities into account. And then another piece of this is we're pretty bad at... Um, the whole like making decisions thing as a, as a coherent kind of human organism. And what I mean by that is, you know, our sense making right now 
has essentially exponentially decreased where we used to have these trusted sources that would tell us, you know, the truth and, and whatever that truth meant, it was, it was kind of a coherent given truth that kind of propelled us forward as a, as a, as a people. Um, and now we have all these different kind of siloed truths that are happening as we have um, polarization and not much, not our, our sense making has gone down. Um, and that's bad, especially as our power has gone up. So we need to make sure that, uh, um, as we kind of govern ourselves going forward, that we have better sense making. Um, so as I'll say, from a negative perspective, you can imagine us as a self-terminating, um, on the road towards quote-unquote self-termination as a species. Um, but uh, luckily, right now, we can kind of get ourselves out of that. Um, we have the ability to do so. Um, and it's going to be, it could be so awesome. We're transitioning towards this world of abundance. Um, what I mean by that is, there's this great uh, guy, Max Roser, who does World and Data, and he has these six graphs, and they show how over the last 200 years, on so many different metrics, so many things have gotten so much better. This is like, you know, half of children used to die before the age of five. Now, like, almost no children die before the age of five. You know, 200 years ago, almost no one got a good education. Now, lots and lots of people get good educations. Um, so there's in that across six different metrics. So that shows that we've done a lot of really good things and we're moving closer and closer to this world of abundance um and you know a great example of that is my kind of self-taxing thing where wait a second after four thousand bucks a month i can actively self-tax myself give money back to the system not accumulate wealth and it doesn't decrease my happiness like that's crazy that's awesome that's that's such a good example of this world of abundance um so this is to say that towards this plus side when we think about what this world could look like it looks like this awesome, abundant, omni-considerate, win-win future where everybody's happy and doing art. <laughs> and uh, probably some sex, too. <laughs> Uh, where we are doing hedonistic pleasures. Um, yeah, so, so this is all to say um, we could go down this bad path right now or we could go down this, this positive up path. Um, and, and I think that uh, we can make that up path happen. And that's, that's, that's my deep why is making sure that that up path occurs. Um, and so with that, you'll hear me, uh, today I'll talk about some of this, but, you know, later on you'll hear me talk a lot about, you know, cross-project collaboration and, and the ETH Commons work that I do, this kind of co-evolution towards shared outcomes, uh, the, the non-accumulation, non-extraction mindset with, you know, things like the self-imposed income tax, tithing and crypto pledging, um, thinking from this win-win, abundant, omni-considerate mindset, thinking about, you know, identity and diversity and historical inertia, um, and, and really all of this is it's a means to an end it's a means to our you know communal shared outcome together to transition us to game b um to make it through these next 25 years together uh, and if we do it'll be awesome and if we don't uh we tried our best <laughs> so um yeah let's let's try to build great things and change our mindset and values to kind of push us towards that better future um one way to think about this is we essentially need a virally propagating coin center um but for culture and values so so that's what we're trying to make here okay um yeah does that does that make sense reese why, yes, Reese Prime, it does make sense. Thank you for that answer. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Let's talk about Ethan. So, uh, you just were a co organizer for this really big Ethereum hackathon, I guess one of the biggest Ethereum hackathons uh, ever. And um, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. So, could you kind of give me a high level overview on what ETH Denver was? 
Yeah, so ETH Denver, it was a hackathon um, and workshops and a community gathering. Uh, and there were about 1,500 people there, all things all, all things considered, all total. Um, and it seems like everyone had a good time, and I had a really good time organizing it. Um, it was this next in this series of kind of ETH global hackathons with ETH Waterloo as the first one and ETH Denver as the second one. Uh, and so we really, it was a, I, we emphasized kind of this co-creation mindset where a bunch of different um, people came there and uh, we kind of gave them the space in order to do great things and, and they did it. And we did that by creating the co-creation space and then really emphasizing, you know, the building piece, aka the hacking, uh, the education piece, aka a bunch of workshops. So we had almost 50 workshops there. Um, and then we also emphasized the community piece, um, both, you know, getting to know other folks in the community there and, and doing, you know, building relationships, but also like working with the local community and various ways um yeah so that was that's kind of the event at high level cool that makes sense this episode is brought to you by shapeshift.io the world's leading trustless digital asset exchange quickly swap between dozens of cryptocurrencies including bitcoin ether dash bitcoin cash augur golem and many more and this is not your typical crypto exchange you don't need to create an account or share your personal information, and your funds are never stored on Shapeshift. This means that your hard-earned digital wealth is never up for grabs by hackers or other malicious actors. To get started, visit shapeshift.io, choose the tokens you'd like to swap, input your receiving address, and send your funds. It's that easy. So could you talk about some of the submissions and things that the hackers did? You know, what were some of your favorite projects? What were some of the prize winners? That kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, first there were so seven actual winners, um, like ETH Denver general winners, and they were all awesome. I want to talk about a couple of them that I loved. First was this one called Profiler, which was made by uh, the ZeroX team and some others. And it was a great way to essentially look at a given smart contract code and then from that determine the gas costs. Uh, so that one was just awesome, very usable, also funny because they had a funny Lambo joke in it. Um, so that was one of my top ones. Uh, There's this other one called Elkrum, which was this uh, a div an IoT hardware project, which was awesome, where they essentially made an easy way for people to connect the Ethereum blockchain to um, hardware. Uh, so that one was sweet, and it was a funny thing because they were able to turn a light bulb on on stage, uh, which was great. Uh, probably my final favorite one was this one called Key Split, which is a way to um, take uh, to essentially take your private key to push it to five different people in your network, um, and then if you lose your private key, they can all three of you, you, if you have three of those pieces, you can combine them to recreate your private key. Um, and so that was an awesome one that used this great uh, sharing scheme, which was pretty cool, um, and also just seems super usable. So those were the actual winners. But in addition to that, I mean, there were just a lot of really good projects there. And I actually had a bunch of people kind of coming up to me afterwards, both uh, at the event and also over email saying, ooh, do you know the people from this team? I want to talk to them, blah, blah, blah. Um, so for me, there were a couple top ones um, on that side of things. First, there's this awesome one called, um, it was called like 
shorties or like the it had the poop emoji as well um and essentially they were allowed for short selling on the dharma protocol uh which i found fascinating because it used this new ethereum ecosystem these new ethereum stacks which i'm a huge fan of um and this one was specifically using dharma which is a lending protocol zero x which is an exchange protocol um and then Dai, which is from maker which is a um uh, is a stable coin and so you don't want you want to have a stable coin as collateral if you're doing short selling um, so it's just a cool sign of those three things kind of combining um, for a given project um, and so I, I, seeing that was awesome to me because I'm a big fan of these stacks like the you know Aragon District 0x you know Ethereum stack Decentraland stack those things all combining together um, I, I love that stuff so it was awesome to see that at an actual hackathon Another thing that I liked was uh, the Brave team was there. Um, they sponsored, but they just wanted to actually uh, come and hack, which was awesome. And they made this, um, what they called the best Ethereum wallet ever, uh, which was they essentially looked at the ecosystem wallets and said, hey, um, one we want one to exist, but it doesn't currently exist now. That is a local Ethereum wallet with a small attack surface, a front end easy enough for non-technical users to use securely, and hardware wallet support. So it's just a combination of those things that they're like, this doesn't currently exist. Let's build it. Um, so they built it, and that was the one that had the most kind of likes and upvotes from the community, which I also loved. The final one was one called Crypto Kicks, which was this high school team that we had there that we kind of mentored, uh, that we had some people mentor throughout. And um, they essentially used uh, non-fungible tokens to, instead of have Crypto Kitties, to have these um, new non-fungible digital collectible sneakers, um, these Crypto Kicks. Uh, so that was, that was the final kind of awesome one there was this, this Crypto Kicks project. Yes, yeah, so that's kind of an overview of some of my favorite uh, hacking submissions that I saw. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, could you kind of dive into the talk side of things in terms of the content that was there and, and the kinds of content that you liked? Yep, yep. Um, so the first thing that I want to say here is that uh, these folks from the Integral Center, which is this kind of uh, authentic relating um, community in Boulder, um, my friends Jess and Josh, they came down and uh, during the opening ceremony, the very first thing we did was to have them get on stage and and get people to kind of be authentic with each other, be vulnerable with each other. So it wasn't like them on stage talking. Instead, it was them kind of uh, coordinating the audience to, to chat with each other. And I think that that was actually a really, really crucial thing to kind of building relationships and community at the event was was making sure that those folks um, that, that that those folks kind of facilitated that authentic relating session. So that was probably. Um, the, the most crucial in my mind. Um, my favorite talk that happened during the opening ceremony was by Maiden Global and Rain Rivera from from Shapeshift, um, and she, I mean, it was just so differentiated. Uh, and you know, instead of a, a deep technical talk, even though she is a, a deeply technical person, um, she just had these flowers in the background and she was talking about you know how you can kind of connect with your body more and those kinds of things and i thought it was super powerful and i heard great great feedback from it as well and it was especially true for me because my 2018 resolution is to kind of be less mental and to be more kind of physical emotional and spiritual so uh that uh really resonated with me the final one was um this uh, counterfactual state channels um, by L4, uh, which was just actually recently implemented by SpankChain. And it is, this one was super well regarded within the technical community. Um, and it was, it's this new kind of kind of state channel. Um, 
And instead, you uh, if you imagine that you're trying to make it more, if you need to do something more complicated than the classic state channel credit card system, um, where let's say you want to play a game of Go and you make a making a smart contract for each instantiating a contract for each kind of new move set and each new game state is too expensive. Um, so what they do is this crazy thing. When I'm not sure I totally understand it, but it's this really cool thing where instead of um, instantiating a contract, both parties in the thing can feel like a contract is instantiated, but don't actually need to. Um, so they can pretend that the, the contract exists um, and, and can act as though it exists. And then if they need to, they can kind of go, go down and actually make it exist. But the incentives are such that it doesn't actually need to exist. So it... <laughs> I found that like really fascinating um, and to have this kind of sub-registry of where these like kind of fake contracts exist, these counterfactual contracts, um, a really, really cool concept. So I'll be excited to see uh, where that goes. Um, and I guess one of the things to say on the talks perspective is there were talks that we didn't actually produce but were awesome content that people loved. Um, the first one was we had this art studio, um, this art kind of makerspace way um, on the sixth floor upstairs. Um, and this was uh, Status and Truebit came to us. And we're like, hey, could we kind of use this space um, to do this kind of awesome art thing? It's connected to this awesome Doge Ethereum big project that we're doing. Um, then we want to do this little test at ETH Denver. And we just said, yeah, I mean, we can definitely make that space available for you. Um, we really had no idea what was going to happen. Um, you know, we connected them with some various, you know, Denver maker folks. We, you know, Brady from District Zero X, you know, he, he, I knew he played music, so we connected him with them. And it just turned into this awesome, awesome space upstairs um, that was a different kind of building and making. Um, it was more hardware, it was more art, it was more creative. Um, and, and there's just awesome stuff happened up there. These little mini concerts, you know, a bunch of stuff on the walls, all kinds of crazy stuff. So that was a great bottom-up example of, of what we kind of wanted from a co-creation perspective. Um, and then another one was these kind of mini working groups that, that occurred, uh, one around uh, TCRs, token curated registries, and then one around non-fungible tokens. Um, and the NFT one especially was just a hit, it sounds like. I mean, it was a crew of, you know, maybe 30 people from a lot of top projects that just got there and um, spent, you know, an hour or two, you know, with with a whiteboard and, and, and worked out, hey, as we're transitioning away from ERC-721, what does it look like to go to uh, 821 or 841, and what do we what do we want all this stuff to look like? Um, and and Will from uh, Z from Zero X said it was probably the most helpful thing for him at the at the um, at the hackathon. So those are these cool kind of bottom up things um, that we just we didn't create, but we helped co-create because we said, hey, we would love to make space for things like this. Um, yeah, so those were some of my favorite kind of talks at at ETH Denver. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that the uh, the bottom-up stuff is especially interesting, and I will be especially interested to see how that uh, evolved over time with conferences and unconferences and creating space for purely bottom-up things rather than kind of plan beforehand stuff. Um, so could you tell me... <coughs> Oops, sorry, I'm sick if you haven't noticed. Um, could you tell me a little bit um, about some of the funny things that, that occurred at the event? Yeah, I can talk about that. Uh, and I just also want to say that I, too, uh, am sick. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so some of the funny things that happened, uh, one of them was Andy um, from MakerDAO. He 
when you're having him go up on stage way too late on Friday. It was my bad from a scheduling perspective. It was going to be at like, we'd already had a three hour opening ceremony that went long. It was like midnight, midnight 30. Um, he was going to go on stage. He was going to both do a bunch of cool maker stuff and announce this awesome, you know, big $45 million stable fund that they're doing with L4. Um, and he was just so tired. Um, and as he got up there, he's like, oh, oh boy, uh, he, you know, he'd just flown in, whatever. And, and luckily, luckily, we had the wrong adapter. <laughs> and so, um, you know, my MC up there was like, we don't need to make this happen right now. Uh, and we were able to push it back to the next day. But it was just like a huge sigh of relief for Andy and, and, and a big sigh of relief for all of us. And it was like, okay, we don't need to push this. It's like past, it's like past midnight. This doesn't need to happen. Um, so that was a good moment. And also, there were similar ones with uh, Ben Siegel from Blockchain for Social Impact and Kyle Samani, where they are like, look, our slot does not really work. You know, I'm, I'm sick or I'm tired. Things not working. Like, can we make this? Can we be flexible here? And um, we were definitely able to be flexible. Um, so that's, that's one thing that I thought was kind of funny. Um, the other thing that I thought was funny was uh, from a beanbag perspective. So we had, you know, almost 100 beanbags there. And um, every time I would walk into the side stage, uh, Luke Duncan from Aragon was always on this very specific beanbag at the very front of the way stage. It was like, it was his beanbag. No one else was ever in it as far as I knew. Um, and, uh, and, and he was always there. And then a similar beanbag story was we were searching for um, Robbie from Blockchain for Social Impact uh, to have him on. A, he was going to be on a panel. And we were like, where is he? We were kind of searching around. We were looking up. We were whatever. And then we kind of looked down. And he's like actually very close to us napping on a beanbag. <laughs> and so I think he had an alarm set or whatever. But we kind of woke him up there and said, yo, let's, you're on this panel. <laughs> so those beanbags I found funny. Um, another kind of funny thing that happened here on like kind of the co-creation side was you know, we were doing judging and there was, um, you know, there were seven different judging groups with five judges each and 130 submissions going through that. So there's a lot of stuff happening there that I was mostly attached to, but there was also a bunch of sponsor stuff. The sp sponsors were judging about 20 prizes as well um, downstairs. And so, and some of them needed new tables because, uh, and some of them needed like guidance around what was happening. And um, it was pretty funny because I essentially at the very beginning just told Jorge from Aragon, a kind of on what was happening down there and, and, and what the process looked like. And then whenever anybody would come to me with a question about that, a sponsor would be like, oh, what should I do? I would say, okay, go downstairs, go to Jorge, and he'll get you set up. <laughs> um, and it was funny because he's that's like wasn't his job. Um, and he said afterwards, it was funny because people would come to him as he was there sitting at his Aragon booth, you know, maybe judging some projects that were there. And people would say, hey, you're supposed to help me. Um, you, you're the guy who's going to help me. And he was like, what? Um, so so he was, he was helpful from a co-creation perspective there. Um, the other kind of funny thing was... Uh, during the closing ceremony, as I said, there's all these different judges, all these submissions, all these sponsor prizes that had to go kind of all in parallel. And then, you know, we had these last minute changes to some slides. People were trying to bring people outside to inside after they're eating food. Um, and then my parents started walking on stage. And I was like, Mom, Dad, you know, I love you. But you can't be here right now, <laughs> you know. Like, there's too many people, um, and and uh, and, and you, I, I, I would I will hug you, and then you need to leave. Um, so so that was kind of a funny moment for me as well. Um, yeah. So those are some of my kind of funny moments from from Eat Denver. <laughs> Very funny. Um, what were some of your favorite moments? Not just funny moments. 
Well, on the on the favorite moment side, it's actually kind of funny because uh, as I was writing these down, they were actually all food related, which is cool. Um, the first was a bunch of uh, some girls brought in some Girl Scout cookies and they brought in like a f- two full wagonfuls of these Girl Scout cookies and just sold so many Girl Scout cookies. Um, so that was kind of an awesome moment that I loved on the food side. Um, the other one was late at night on Friday after um, Zero X uh, plus ERC Dex plus Lendroid plus Dharma did a workshop kind of together. Um, it was almost midnight and um, we found we had these oranges and just bringing them around to the people, offering them to those folks, going upstairs with the oranges, offering them to uh, to hackers. That was a moment for me that uh, I really enjoyed because I just like bringing people food and especially food where everybody's like, ooh, oranges, I'm excited. Um, yeah, that was, that was a nice moment. And then the final food moment was during the after party, uh, which again, there were so many things that were happening at the event that like, I didn't really, I didn't, I wasn't touching, um, like half, at least half the stuff that was happening. And so this food party, I knew there was going to be a food show. I didn't really understand what it was. And I got there and, and I was, I had had a really long weekend and it was all tiring and good, but, but tiring. And I was finally done. And then this food show happened and I was just like, oh my God. There were these empanadas, there was, you know, meat and cheese, charcuterie, um, there was uh, this chocolate, there was, it was just like this wide array of super awesome food. Uh, so that was one of my, my kind of final favorite moment there. Mm. Yeah, that sounds delicious and nutritious. Uh, what was a, what were some things that you kind of failed at? Well, I mean, lots and lots of things, and there's a big retro doc that uh, I will not share with you, but is... Um, exists and and has lots of learnings i mean at a high level from an organization perspective beforehand um there was lots of issues around uh pushing people to give me their slide decks um and trying to get them in this master slide deck and that just didn't really make any sense um i'm also sorry to the sponsors that i put in bad slots these are slots i thought were good but that was crazy of me these are like late friday night early saturday morning slots um so it was definitely mistimed on me and sorry about that during the opening and closing ceremony, um, I could have done a much better job personally. I was like the MC through that time, and I could have done a much better job pushing people um, through from a time perspective. I kind of I would go on stage and kind of try to get people to get off stage, um, but we should have cut the mic or had Oscars music or something like that. Um, and finally, I was a little bit sad about uh, some of the content around, especially certain people that were there who are really um, experts in their field, but actually weren't on these panels, but kind of should have been. Um, so an example of this is, you know, the scaling panel. It was an awesome panel. We had Igor from POA, Alex Miller from Good Plus, Cena from Truebit, Hudson from ETH Foundation. It was like a great panel. Um, but um, also there, you know, we had David Knott there um, from Plasma and Omise Go. We had, you know, L4 and Counterfactual there with their state channels. And, you know, we kind of said no to, you know, Sunny from Tendermint because it just didn't quite work from a, like, fitting people in perspective. So that was something that I um, kind of felt bad about was making it so that we had these kind of, ex- you know, four-person panels. And I think that there's a lot of room for kind of co-creation stuff uh, and more decentralized um, panel stuff happening in the future. Yeah, it really does sound like you messed up, you idiot. <laughs> um, I guess the, the my final question for you on ETH Denver is, uh, what are you what are you thankful for? What what kind of uh, gratitude would you like to express? 
Yeah, I mean, so it's almost endless the amount of gratitude that I could express here. I After Friday, I wrote a tweet that was like, yo, I feel like I thanked 250 people today. And that was true. And it, I honestly, that was a low number. It could have been 500. There were so, so many people to thank about so, so many things. Um, so I'll just go through some of them right now. Uh, but just to give you a feel about the, the people that I personally am thankful for at the event. Um, so first, um, it's got to start with my co-organizers. And these were, you know, a tight, there was a, there was a bigger group, but there's also a smaller group of people who are all at the venue for the whole week before um, and were working on it for clearly many weeks and months before that. So that's, you know, John Paller is, is the key one here, the, the, the chief steward. Um, and and he, he, he saw Denver, he, he had a vision for it. He imbued that vision with some awesome values. Um, and he just, in a very decentralized way, got a bunch of people kind of spun up to start doing it. Um, and he was also kind of our sponsor lead as well, um, where he said, yo, this is what we're trying to do. This is, uh, here's our values. Here's what we're looking, to, looking for. Are you in? Um, either way, it's fine. And I think that he did a really good job of, of both projecting, getting that vision, getting those values imbued, and then, and then getting sponsors to kind of get behind it. So uh, thank you, John. Crucial, crucial. Um, the other one here is Justin Moskovitz. So um, Justin, wow. Um, if Justin, uh, if, if John was the person with the, the vision, the values for a lot of this, Justin was just like, just a workhorse, just getting so many things done, um, and, and just with such a great domain expertise of, on on events, he had um, with DreamHack uh, a twenty thousand person event is one that he'd co-organized before, and he was just ridiculously helpful on everything, super detail oriented, super um, get done kind of person, and and on the first night actually before we opened up that first day he got zero hours of sleep <laughs> so that's kind of crazy uh, and he also had two both of his laptops were stolen um after the event uh when he was cleaning up uh, at like 2 a.m so that's, that's really sad um but justin was was crucial crucial to the event um so thank you justin uh the third one here that i want to say is Corey. um Corey is a uh, kind of an og in the colorado blockchain community and he was he kind of, you know, joined uh, John Paller's company and was like, okay, in, in early January, was like, okay, I'm ready to do kind of work for the company. And there was like, oh, wait, East Denver. Wow, there's a lot to do. Um, and he just got to work on a lot of it. Um, so and he did it in this kind of fun renaissance man kind of way where, you know, it started with a bunch of kind of coding around like uh, writing some Ruby scripts for duplication work around applications. Um, then he was doing a ton of applicant filtering and going through folks. Uh, he spent, you know, two whole days kind of wiring up um, the whole place with these wireless access points, these WAPs um, going on ladders all throughout the building. Uh, then he went back to coding style and, you know, coded up this Colorado coin and put a, get got the QR codes to work with um, uh, all the food trucks. Um, then he also was at the event itself, uh, was a main person doing the badges on day one, and then was a crucial MC throughout the event. So he he had a lot of different skills that and we used all of them, which was great. Uh, so thank you, Corey. Um, three others here. I mean, so Annabelle. Annabelle was uh, came in not really knowing that much about blockchain um, and was just kind of a kind of social media Squarespace website lady and just went deep on all that stuff. And, and my favorite thing here is, you know, from a Squarespace perspective, uh, she essentially maxed out the amount of 
headshots that we could put on the site, um, where at the end it took us like 15 minutes uh, to put headshots, to put on the remaining headshots, um, because we just had too many. Um, so that was kind of fun. She was also our social media lady, so uh, throughout the event, taking pics, tweeting, live streaming, all of that, she was kind of the lead for a lot of that social media work. So thank you, Annabelle. Um, I want to also give props to Brianna. Um, she's a dev, and but she was also leading um, our diversity initiatives, was and is a dev, um, leading our diversity initiatives, did a ton of local reach out to all kinds of various communities, both from a gender perspective, but also from like an LGBTQ perspective, also a creative perspective, getting, getting art and like music folks in. And she was also our after party steward. So she got great things like the slam poet that we had. Um, she, you know, brought in the flow bots and actually played trombone with them on stage. Um, so she, again, multifaceted and just like um, did a lot of help for us on both the diversity side and also on the after party side. So thank you, Brianna. Uh, and then the final one here is Mara. And Mara was kind of similar to Corey in that she kind of got on board in January-ish. Um, and if, if I was churning through emails with sponsors, uh, Mara was doing that same thing, but with everybody else. Um, and so all of all the emails that came in, all the inbound stuff, um, so many various spreadsheets, logistics, etc. Um, and then during the event uh, itself, she was just there as just this bright face, always smiling, always having energy, um, and and just a really, yeah, I mean, like detail-oriented person who got a lot of stuff done in a short amount of time. So thank you, Mara. Um, and then also, so those, that's kind of the, what I personally see as like the co-org, the, the, the key crew that was there um, uh, beforehand and all throughout the event and before before it. Um, and then also an expanded kind of co-organizer community. So this is um, Colorado blockchain as a whole. Um, bunch of people there setting up and running so many different things before um, both for many years before the event and then also at the event uh, and I want to give sp some specific shout outs to my MC crew Sasha, Shira, Corey <coughs> and Kent um, and they did a really good job of, of making sure all the content went really smoothly. Um, the AV crew was awesome. They were people who I had no idea what I was doing from an AV perspective. Um, and they were able to just like walk me through all the various things that need to happen. That was great. All the food folks were awesome. The food trucks, the food show, um, things are just like, we, we wanted food to be there and it was, and it was, it was great. Um, I also want to give props to the whole volunteer crew, uh, and each of them worked three, eight hour shifts across the weekend, which was awesome, but they just constantly were there, constantly had this awesome helping mindset. So that was great. Um, I do also want to give some specific shout outs to, uh, a couple like subgroups here. Um, and these are, so from the sponsors again, and I said this at the event, but wow, they made it a free event, uh, which is awesome. And there's so many, we had so many cool things happening and that was all pretty much as a result of them and their desire to both be part of this community gathering and also to financially support it. So thank you so much to the sponsors. Uh, I want to give a specific shout out to um, Consensus, but especially Joe Lubin um, for making this initial commitment to say, yeah, seems like a great event. I'm going to come speak at it. Um, uh, that was great. I also want to give props to uh, Solarius, Dowstack, Aragon, and Ideas by Nature. They were willing to experiment with me on kind of the kind of bounties and prizes track to do a storytelling prize and a governance prize and a UX prize, which are things that hadn't really been done before. Everything was mostly coding facing. 
I also want to give props to kind of like the local Colorado government and, and institutions there. Um, the Denver elections were there and were sponsoring your prize. We had the Colorado Office of Economic Development there, the Colorado Technology Association. So um, the Colorado kind of general community really kind of supported us in a big way as well, which was great. And then I also want to give props to the Gart family who owns uh, that building. And, you know, we essentially told them what we were looking to do, uh, what the event looked like, and they were like, that sounds awesome. And this is also just super aligned with what we want this to be used for. Um, so we'll give it to you pretty cheaply. So that was a that was a great thing for us. Where it was just like, hey, these people are value aligned and they're excited for us to be there. So it felt kind of different than like a classic hotel environment or what have you. And then finally, from a sponsor perspective, I want to give my personal gratitude and thanks to um, people who'd sponsored me for uh, Ethereum Commons work, for ETH Commons work. Um, and for them, I said, hey, I'll be spending 10 hours a week or something like that kind of, you know, on ETH Commons. And initially, I was kind of spending that. But then as ETH Denver got closer, it was like, oh, God, I'm spending most of my time on ETH Denver. So they essentially were sponsoring that from, from a cost perspective. So that's, you know, that's Giveth, that's Radar Relay, that's District 0x, that's StakeTree. Um, thank you all for supporting ETH Commons, which ended up being um, some support for ETH Denver. So that's on the sponsor side. Um, on the hacker side, I want to give uh, a special shout out to uh, Elkrum, uh, one of the women winning teams who flew um, to Denver 30 hours from Egypt uh, and then did for 30 hours of coding. So that, that was awesome. And just like a funny little moment during the final presentation. I also want to give specific props here to the ETH Global crew. So this is uh, Liam, Ethan, um, Kartik, Josh, uh, Jeff, uh, probably someone else that I'm forgetting, sorry. Uh, oh, uh, Panache. Um, but, and I want to give specific props to uh, Kartik. Um, and Kartik, I mean, he was so helpful around uh, judging before the event. And then uh, during the event, super helpful as well. And I just want to give a specific example here where on Saturday, we were chatting about judging logistics. And he was like, look, dude, we got to have, you know, we had all these monitors for judging. He's like, we got to have adapters. You know, people are not everybody's going to have an HDMI. And I was like, yeah, I know. But I don't know, internally as a team, you're thinking that might not be worth it or whatever. And like, we, we won't be able to get them. And he's like, look, we need these things. We need these adapters. We need these dongles. And he's just like, I'm going to go to Best Buy and buy them. <laughs> so he went to Best Buy. He drove to Best Buy and bought $800 worth of dongles and adapters. Um, and it was, and, and then as a result of that, he became a Best Buy Rewards member, which is funny. But for me, that was just an awesome example of this can-do attitude from, from Kartik that was just ridiculously helpful throughout the weekend, both for judging and for opening and closing ceremonies and, and all the above. So Thank you so much, Kartik. Uh, and if you're someone who's looking to work with ETH Global, I recommend it. <laughs> um, from a speaker perspective, I want to give props to two kind of groups of folks. First is just to Haseeb Rabani from Block Geeks. Um, he did... Uh, he was part of the initial crew for the event, and so he got a good amount of workshops like, hey, you're going to do intro to ethers.io, you're going to do intro to Solidity, you're going to do intro to IPFS. Um, and then in addition to that, it's like, oh, you're going to do the Solidity stuff with Hudson, you're going to do IPFS with Leonard from ENS, um, and you're going to do all that on Friday. And also, by the way, can you on Saturday mentor this kind of crazy group of high schoolers? Um, <laughs> and he was just down for all of it, was smiling for all of it, even when he had technical difficulties, um, this, that, whatever, he was just a, a real trooper. So thank you so much, Haseeb. 
Um, from uh, the other speaker's perspective, I want to give um, my gratitude and thanks to my moderator crew. Uh, so this is Ryan Selkis, Lee Kuhn, and Evan Van Ness, who were just a group of folks who, when I reached out and said, hey, do you want to moderate? They were like, yeah, this seems great. seems like a great crew is there. Um, and they were able to kind of work with me in a pretty organic way to hunt down the panelists beforehand, to be flexible as people came on and off of panels, um, all the above. So, so thank you to that that crew of three for for moderating well and for and for being flexible with me on all that stuff. And then finally, from a judge's perspective, um, I want to give a specific props. Um, we have you know we had 35 kind of ETH Denver general judges, but one of them, uh, Zuko from Zcash, was there. And he was there even though he's from Zcash, and this was an ETH event. And he just has this beautiful mindset around helping the community generally. And I'm actually just going to read a quote from him on this um, for uh, this Medium article that he wrote on why he's advising Tezos. And he says, Some people think cryptocurrencies, such as Zcash and Tezos, are primarily competitive. They think this for entirely valid reasons involving network externalities. They might turn out to be right, but I think that the network is bigger than any particular cryptocurrency. The network is all cryptocurrencies. In fact, the network is much bigger than that. The network is all of the scientific and economic activity of all of this planet's people. It is urgent and imperative that we leverage and multiply the value of that network, and I'm happy to cooperate with Tezos to do so. Boom. Like, that's awesome. What a great shared outcome perspective and mindset and so Zuko being there was just this great like hey I'm going to help out the crew um, and even though it's an ETH event I'm happy to help judge I'm happy to be a positive member of this community um, and so thank you so much Zuko for judging my final person I want to thank is uh, my family and, and close friends um, and specifically I want to thank uh, my brother John <laughs> and we had a long conversation uh, a couple nights beforehand and uh, and he was just very helpful um, to have him listen and to to provide me good questions around, especially the kind of emotional side around getting my mind and body in the right place. Um, and and it was great that he was there as just a listener and and, and someone to um, to help me work through kind of my mindset towards the event. So John, thank you so much. Whew, yeah. So that's 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 uh, who I would thank. Okay, that was a nice list, a little bit long, but um, thank you for sharing, Reese Prime. Um, with that, uh, now we're just kind of uh, going a little bit, you know, free flowing here. Is there anything else you want to say about East Denver? Hmm, let me double check. Um, I don't really think so. I think it was a really fun event. I think that it was a lot of work. Um, I think that I'm happy to help various members of the community with their own events for this kind of work. Um, I think that I'm also excited both maybe for ETH Denver next year, but also um, to do some more experimental work with other kinds of events like this. I think that it uh, fit my own personality well, both uh, a little bit from a logistics perspective and especially from like a in-the-moment kind of energy perspective. Um, and so I think that I could see myself doing some, some events like this in the future and when and if I do, I, I think that they're going to be two primary things that I um, push and experiment with. The first is um, if you imagine all the money flowing through the event um, for, for ETH Denver, we spent a good amount of that money on creating an awesome experience for everybody, which I think was the right call. Um, it made this awesome event and awesome experience for people. Um, but I think that 
I'm personally interested in um, having events that has kind of a crypto pledge self-taxing mindset where uh, let's say you have, you know, just 100,000 bucks going into the event um, and of that money, you spend only 25% of it on the experience, on food, on bathrooms, whatever, and you spend the rest of it on, you know, making sure that all the attendees, that all of their uh, flights are um, carbon neutral and, and kind of uh, reimbursed in that way, that you that you spend a lot of the money giving back to the community, that you maybe just give um, through kind of some of these like effective altruist organizations just directly to um, poor people around the world or what have you. So I think that's one thing that I'm excited to push on is kind of um, the amount of money that flows to the event and kind of giving that money back. Um, and the second thing that I'm excited to push on is how unconferency and how co-creaty we can make it. So we push that a bit at East Denver, but you can imagine an event where um, there aren't really uh, speakers, there aren't really uh, lineups of sponsors and speaking slots, whatever, and that the event is all just kind of bottom-up, self-determined in this awesome way. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of room for experimentation there um, that I'm excited to work with. So yeah, those those are kind of my my two final thoughts on Ethan for. Cool. Um, well, with that, Reese, thank you for the the interview. Um, uh, and if you are interested in more of this stuff, you can, or if you want to support me, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/ReeseLindmark. That's Patreon.com/slash/R-H-Y-S-L-I-N-D-M-A-R-K. Uh, and you can also go to staketree.com slash Mark and support me there. Um, thanks so much, everybody, um, for listening and excited to see you next week with a real guest and not uh, my other personality. Okay, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>